0: It's Theopop, episode six.
1: The one where, honey, I'm home.
2: Go ahead. Make my day.
0: Theopop. You can't handle the
3: truth. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that.
2: Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points. And may God have mercy on your soul.
0: Welcome to Theopop. He's David Gaddy.
1: And he's Jeremiah Orr.
0: And we're exploring pop culture from a spiritual mindset. How are you doing, David? I'm doing pretty good. (laughs) That's great, brother. Man, it's been a while since we've made a Theopop episode. Uh, Yes. We got got sidetracked by a, uh, uh, a heart problem.
1: An and, aortic uh, valve replacement. Yes. An
0: aortic valve replacement, which David has been recovering from and uh is doing quite <clears> nicely. <throat> he looks uh not pale and not sad at all. He's he's back no, to his look. normal masculine self. He's showing me a scar right now, and man, yeah. that's it's a pretty big <laughs> scar there, Dave. Yeah,
1: so it's not, it's not too bad. It, it, in fact, it's not as uh it's not as beepy as I was kinda hoping it would be. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Chick dig scars am i right
1: that's right
0: yeah yeah so I, you're gonna get a tattoo over that thing right
1: oh yeah i'm at some point i'm definitely doing that
0: yeah you've got to man it'll look cool it's
1: a it, no matter what the scar is it's a good excuse for that
0: that's right definitely so uh
1: so uh be- before we dive into this episode we have to give a shout out that a week ago on our other show the theonauts we got to interview Dallas Jenkins, the producer, creator, director of the
0: Chosen. The Chosen. Yes. yes,
1: which was an episode we recently did on Theopop.
0: Right, and I'm still like coming down from that high. That was such an amazing time being able to sit and uh, and just talk to him about what's going on with the show and there's there's been some interesting controversy mm-hmm. uh, over episode five i don't for know for sure yeah for sure heard about that i actually haven't gotten to watch it yet i started it the other day and then mm-hmm. i got interrupted so i've got to go back and watch it I, have you watched it
1: oh yes i got no problem with any of it i mean come <laughs> on people and it's like one of the biggest things is Uh, There's a little 10-second clip where Jesus is kind of rehearsing his sermon on the mount. Like, he's off by himself, and he's going... Let's see, if the salt is lost its savor, let's see, how should I, like, he's he's prepping his sermon. Yeah. And people are like, he's the son of God, he doesn't have to prep his sermons. Oh, man, come on. (laughs) He's perfect. And it's like, come on, like he was fully human
0: too. You're missing that (laughs) whole point. And that's, I mean, that's one of the main reasons they're doing The Chosen is showing Christ's humanity. And I mean, there's so much that's, that's beautiful about that. You know what? I, as a pastor, and you as a pastor, we can identify with Jesus in a beautiful way when we're prepping our sermons, and try, um, our goal is to reach uh, yes the people we're talking uh, talking to uh, with with truth. And so, no,
1: no doubt, he's God, and he could have just said magically, "Blam!" This is how it is, right? But that defeats the purpose of him coming here. Like Absolutely. that type of action defeats the purpose of him coming here. Yep. Like he came here to be fully man. That's right. And so, fully God. So,
0: so, you know, but anyway,
1: this a tangent, but we, we cut, we cut, we <laughs> covered episode on episode four of Theo pop. We did the chosen. If you haven't listened to that, go, go uh, check it out. We cover season one and jump over to our Theonauts podcast and listen to us. Talk to Dallas about it.
0: Right. So, and, really cool. uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll, uh, revisit uh, the chosen on theopop when we when season two wraps up because there's so much goodness that we've got to cover. So yeah. uh, anyway. speaking
1: of a lot to cover.
0: Yes are you ready just to dive into this I one? am so
1: ready. Okay. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna start out with the trailer. So okay. here we go. We now have first
0: person intel from inside the Westview anomaly
2: What are we looking at here? Is it an alternate reality, time travel? It's a sitcom. Starring two Avengers?
3: It's a working theory. Well, I know the apron is a bit much, dear, but I am doing my best to blend in. Hello, dear. Hiya, kids. Hiya, kiddos. Life moves pretty fast out in the suburbs.
2: I think something's wrong here. (laughs) Should we just take it from the top?
3: any of this started
2: what is outside of Westfield
3: yeah I'm not sure what that's about it's probably just a case of the Mondays am I right (gasps)
2: is this really happening yes my love Are you crying?
1: But I'm invested. (laughs) Okay, so uh, today we are covering the Marvel Cinematic Universe slash Disney Plus streaming uh, series. I don't know if there's going to be a second season. I think this was intended to be a one-off. A one-offer, yeah. Uh, But it's WandaVision.
0: Yes. Um,
1: And so what did you think about this show, Jer?
0: Well, okay, so I've been a... a an avid watcher of all the Marvel movies. Um, I, I grew up on Marvel. Uh, Spider-Man was one of my favorite characters mm-hmm. growing up, you know, and so I absolutely adore him. Even have my picture taken with Stan Lee and have him sign one of my Spider-Mans grown up. So, I've, I've, I've fallen in love with all of their stuff. Uh, um, I think that Avengers and Avengers, all the Avengers uh, movies were amazing to me, even though some people nitpick them.
1: <laughs> so, yeah. but I, from a filmmaking standpoint, there's there's some problems with some of them. But Right, yeah. It's it's some fun stuff still.
0: But I don't think you can really say that at all with WandaVision. I think that WandaVision oh, is on no. another level um and even going back, so I watched the whole series as soon as it came out, you know, episode to episode and for prepping for this uh for for this podcast I went back and I watched through it again and I'm just amazed and stunned at the brilliance um, of the writing and, uh, Mm -hmm. um, and the pacing of this entire thing. And then uh, just, just the deepness of it is just incredible. So I love it. Big fan. I
1: I think that it is, um, it is amazing. I, I was floored by it. You know, I watched it as they released one episode a week and, uh, The first couple of weeks, I was so confused because I knew there these characters' backgrounds. I knew what was going on, but the story just drops you in the middle of this weirdness, and it's like, (laughs) what is going on here? Like, the first couple of episodes are so confusing when you don't have an idea of what is actually happening in the storyline. In fact, you really don't get a good picture of it until like episode four. Right, but going back and watching it and knowing what's going on, it is even there's so many levels and layers of complexity and it is analyzing um, the human condition and I love it when, when things do that. Right. So uh I find the series remarkable. In fact I find it much better than say Avengers Infinity War.
0: <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Avengers Infinity War is pretty awesome. <laughs>
1: Just like I, like yeah but uh, does it doesn't come close to this like this from a pure is from
0: spectacle standpoint
1: <laughs> well yeah from spectacle i mean it's like a roller coaster ride yeah. for sure but this is like a masterpiece it's oh, yeah. so it's so well done um i was it, really
0: excited so like i said I, i'm a marvel guy so i knew i knew kind of after the first episode i knew where <laughs> they were going with this because this happened in the in the comic book, not the way that they portrayed it, but in a in a different way. Mm. Wanda, Wanda created this reality for herself, brought Vision back, uh, went crazy, uh, and then birthed two boys. And so it was this this <laughs> yes. really weird thing, and there's so much difference between the two. But as soon as I saw that, like you know, it, it seemed like it was this fake reality. Mm-hmm. You know the first episode's thirty minutes long and it's a sitcom. Uh, yes, not even a sitcom from like it's a 1950s sitcom. So yeah,
1: it's Dick Van Dyke it with is. the Avengers right. in it. Right, so brilliant. Like that's what. So what was such a a, a mind uh, messer. Like it was. Yeah. Okay, so um, just to give everyone who maybe <laughs> isn't up to speed here. WandaVision takes place in um, the storyline, pretty much right after Infinity War. Yeah. No, or is it? Yeah.
0: No, it's it's right the, after the blip.
1: So, uh, yeah, Oh, yeah. So this is this is like right after the last right. Avengers movie. Um, so, in Infinity War, uh, Wanda had to take. Vision's life in order to save the stone from getting into the hands of um, Thanos. of Thanos. Mm-hmm. And of course, Thanos backs up time, undoes that, and then kills him himself. Right. Either way, vision dies, right? and sh- and he dies, and Wanda's part of that. Now, Wanda loves vision. Yeah, they had to had this thing going, right? Uh, and, a back of Avengers movie in uh, Age of Ultron her twin brother Pietro right died in that movie right so this series is okay first off spoiler alert we're going to give away everything <laughs> we've already given it away so <laughs> i mean well yeah but we're going to so, give away almost everything. Yeah, exactly. If you if you haven't seen the the series, stop now.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> and go and, and watch it first uh, because it really does it pay dividends to watch it unfold. Right. Uh, so anyway, she's she's dealing with the death of her brother, the death of her loved one, uh, Vision, and really what the what the the filmmakers were doing. Was letting Wanda explore her grief. Right. In fact, I think there is a a phrase uh, that Vision actually says to her at one point. He says, "What is grief if not love persevering?" Yep. And so, um,
0: and back up. Let's talk about Wanda as a character in general to begin with. Okay. I, I mean, this in, in the MCU, anyways she her entire story is tragedy so mm-hmm. she's from Sokovia. yes her her entire town gets blown up by stark technology from uh from uh, from bad guys right, right. Uh, her one of her earliest memories is hiding underneath a hiding underneath a uh, a bed with her brother pietro looking at a a bomb with stark paint on it uh, ready to go off Right, right, right. And later on, she's captured by these bad guys and she, she's experimented on. That's <laughs> how she grows up. Like, she grows up being experimented on and m- manipulated mentally. Yes. Uh, because of her powers and her brother, right? And then ends up having her brother die while she's saving the very town that, that, uh,
1: this happened in
0: that. This happened in, uh, this mm-hmm. happened in right? <clears throat> and then she finally finds love and a home in Avengers. Uh, at, at the and they they ground her basically mm-hmm. and make her lover her warden until they finally run off together, and then <laughs> has her uh, has has Vision die. I mean,
1: there it's, is it's tragic. Like yeah. her life is a tragic tale.
0: the entire thing is is nothing but tragedy. There's no light in Wanda's story at all,
1: yeah, so um, what we're gonna do here because this is Theo pop right <laughs> we want we wanna address these uh issues that Wanda's dealing with from a Christian perspective, and also I wanna look at some some biblical things as well because Uh, even though the five stages of grief is a model put together by uh, Kubler-Ross. And it's like, um, it is philosophy, but uh, it is a philosophy that I believe holds pretty true for most people. Almost everyone at some point goes through these five stages um, while they're dealing with problems. And the Bible actually addresses many of them. And there was so much loss in Scripture— that we're going to be able to see. Um, I'm going to be reading some from the Book of Lamentations, <laughs> so which makes sense. Absolutely. Um, but to start out with, the series drops us in the middle of a sitcom. So like you said, it's Dick Van Dyke. Um, we later learn that what's really happening is Wanda has subconsciously created a sitcom world where she is the dutiful wife, and Vision is her husband, loving
0: husband. That's right, her loving husband.
1: So, uh, and so that's the whole "Honey, I'm home" <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> reference. You know, it's the trope from that that era, and it's <laughs> kind of funny because Vision's dead. She basically recreated him in her mind for this series of events that's going to be occurring, right. And so, honey, I'm home. (laughs) He shows up and she doesn't even really realize what she's done. Like as a child, whenever she was um, dealing with all this pain in Sokovia, her main comfort was watching old DVDs of old TV sitcoms. Yeah. And so those were happy places. So this is her mind going to uh, trying to make, a happy place. Yeah. And she constructs all of this. Now, th- now she does this at the expense of everybody in the town, right? Because they become puppets in her little play. Right. Unwillingly. Um, but in her defense, she's not totally in control of her own self. She doesn't even really know how it happened. She was just dreaming in the town about what their life would have been like and all of a sudden, whoosh, her powers take over because she is the one of the, if not the most powerful uh,
0: Avenger.
1: Uh, Avenger. Mm-hmm. So, the first couple of episodes, each episode moves a decade, pretty much. So, we're moving from one decade of sitcoms to another. And all the tropes, they did such a great job having grown up watching many of these things. Oh, like. Yeah. Like they did such a great job of mimicking the jokes, the the laugh track, the (laughs) and even the names of each episode will make you remember, will bring you some nostalgic uh, view. Like the very very first episode is called "Filmed Before a Live Studio Audience," (laughs) (laughs) and uh, the second episode is called "Don't Touch That Dial." Um and so we basically we see several uh, repre- uh, uh sitcoms represented we see Dick Van Dyke we see uh the Mary Tyler Moore show we see um uh, Father Knows Best um Bewitched, bewitched definitely mm-hmm. um and so
0: like even in, even up into the 90s and 2000s Malcolm in the Middle we have uh uh <laughs> What else we have in the eighties?
1: We had family ties with family Brady ties. Bunch. That's right. Yeah, it it covers like all, it, there's even touches of modern stuff like Modern Family and The Office. Right. Uh, you know the the whole mockumentary type of filmmaking happens. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> anyway, um, so the first couple of episodes is just a picture of denial, and that's why we don't know what's going on as the viewers because she's in denial of what's really happening. Right. So we're lost in her fantasy. Yeah. And, and we can't even try and figure out what's going on. It just seems weird to us. But, it, but in her, this is her new reality, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, so let me play a clip from uh, one of the first episodes here that kind of gives us an idea of uh, how she's created this world but hadn't thought it all through. There's still a lot of things that's confusing uh, to them that kind of shows the kind of denial that she's going in that Vision has already died.
3: We are an unusual couple, you know.
1: Oh, I don't think
2: that was ever in question.
3: (laughs) What I mean is, we don't have an anniversary. Huh. Or a song, or even wedding rings.
2: Well, we could rather do that. Today could be our anniversary.
3: Of what? Surviving our first dinner party?
2: Precisely. And our song could be?
3: Yakety-yak, naturally. Naturally. And the rings?
2: Well, couldn't you make some for us? I do. Do you? Yes, I do. And they lived happily ever after.
1: So that's basically the end of episode one. So she had forgotten to add wedding rings, an annivers- anniversary date, like none of that was in the, her consciousness when she built this world.
0: Well, and, and not only that, she is, she is in such denial that she doesn't even know that she's built this world. For mm-hmm. her, it, it's her new reality. Um, she's denied that there's anything outside this town. She's in this town. And even you can see her denial in the questions she asks there, right? Which mm. are basically, why Why don't we have a, you know... Yes. A wedding <laughs> or an anniversary? We're not like others. What's going on here? Mm-hmm. She doesn't even get it. Because she's chosen to block off that side of her mind.
1: Yes. And and vision is uh playing into her he's being what she wants him to be, right? Right. He's with the whole happily ever after and yeah. he's a living memory. Like yeah. he's he's real, like he's he's cognizant, but he is like a living memory of what she is and so he's saying what he would say. Uh, if he had really been there
0: yeah she's in complete control of of everything there Um she's in control of him at the start mm-hmm. of it i mean she's she's the master and so this is this is a great picture of her delusion uh in denial
1: yeah so um as as christians and as people in general um we we can fall into this. Like, it's not hard to fall into it, especially whenever we lose something and it's important to us, a loved one or a job or, you know, whatever this, the life situation is, uh, we can end up choosing not, and we'll not even be cognizant of it, but end up choosing not to act on it, you know, to act like it's not even happened, like uh, this isn't happening. And um, so... Now, I mentioned the book of Lamentations. So in the book of Lamentations, it's a series of poems uh, written to lament the fall of, of Jerusalem. And we see um, it's kind of stepped through some of this. Like the reason why Jerusalem fell was because, or J- the whole nation of Judah, the reason why it fell was because of their disobedience. And God had warned them and he gave them every opportunity to uh to turn back but if we listen a little bit to how uh this poem begins it's almost taking in consider not taking that into consideration he says how lonely sits the city that was full of people how like a widow has she become she who was great among the nations She who was a princess among the provinces has become a slave. She weeps bitterly in the night with tears on her cheeks. Among all her lovers, she has none to comfort her. All her friends have dealt treacherously with her, and they have become her enemies. So this lament that begins here is almost like it's everybody else's fault there's all these, uh, no one came to our assistance. None of our allies are the nations that are around us, hate us. They're happy that it's happened. Mm -hmm. And everyone's dealt treacherous, treacherously with us. Um, So it's almost like a little bit of denial that this is our fault, that this is, that there was a a reason um, behind it. So, um, so what do you think? Um, as far as Christian, as we as Christians go, um, how, how how are the how do we avoid that tra- that uh, trap or well I stay th- in the right mindset?
0: I think just as humans in general, the fir- and I agree with this this uh, this picture the, the reality is um, we're so natural to to just simply <laughs> deny that it's even even happening. Um so if we're falling into a egregious sin or we're struggling with um some kind of a um I don't know it could be a marital problem it could be finding out about somebody else's issue that you you've held in high regard you know that mm. kind of thing and it, the the natural first step is to just just completely <laughs> deny that it's happening, right? Or to sort to, to try to make as light of it as possible. This isn't, you know, this right. isn't as bad as, as it seems. It's not, you know, it's not, not such a big issue. And, and in this situation with, with lamentations, you see, uh, the, the denial is taking a different shape. It's taking the shape of blame. Like you said, blaming everyone else. and. Um, especially like it even goes on to blame God for his affliction in a lot of ways right um the, the yeah. very next thing you know Judah's fallen because of her affliction or God's affliction or that she's been afflicted and while that's true while that's the case it's not recognizing the cause right and so right. <clears throat> um, you know it's okay so imagine somebody's overweight and they don't want to <laughs> they don't want to deal with it. You know, the, the one of the th- first things they do is they just deny deny the causes of what's, what's making this happen. Right. And until they get right help, they, they accept it. They're, they're going to continue on this harmful path, basically. So
1: yeah, Israel, so until, until they move forward, there's no resolution,
0: right? And that's where that's where we see Wanda stuck, and uh, you mm-hmm. know, and that's where it brings us in is in this full on full on denial not wanting to so live in reality
1: <clears throat> so think about how Wanda handles because keeping this little perfect bubble that she's created is difficult, and it falls apart many times in fact, people question it or weird things. Like there's a one really weird scene in the first episode that all of us are watching it going, what? That just totally breaks the trope. (laughs) But it's just a little hint that there's something wrong here. Right. Right. And what does Wanda do? You see the screen do this reversing thing, like, and it backs up and everything's fine. Like let's undo what just happened and let's make it nice and pretty again. Right. Um,
0: A good, a good example. Oh, sorry. Go ahead.
1: No, no, go ahead.
0: Well, a good example I'm thinking of is is King David is a great example of this. What does he do? Whenever he 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 sins the first time with Bathsheba, finds out she's pregnant. Instead of accepting it and moving forward, he he tries to cover it up, right? And he ends up. Making it worse in the long run, <laughs> but this is the perfect picture of denial for me. <laughs> like this is,
1: yes, it's that's part of it. So yeah, uh, but whenever things just keep getting in the way of the denial, well, then what happens? We get angry.
0: You're right. Oh yeah, which which, which,
1: which is the next step. So that so um, so in the show. Uh, this does happen. We move through the 50s and the 60s, and we get up to kind of in between the 60s and the 70s. We have a, uh, a <laughs> an episode called Now in Color,
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> where it's basically the Brady Bunch. Right. And Wanda has, her in her mind, she doesn't even understand why, but she's creating a um, happy little life, right? She immediately gets pregnant. But the pregnancy just rushes through like she goes from finding out she's pregnant to months pregnant to delivering twins like all in one episode. Yeah. And uh, so while all this is happening, um, it causes um, it causes someone to kind of awaken out of the, the 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 little model that wanda built and wanda when she is confronted with reality because for the very first time her past is brought up in this little bubble she's created and when it happens she loses it right and gets really and really angry and resets it all so I got I got a clip here okay. um let's Let's run it.
2: Can you believe it?
3: It <laughs> twins. <laughs> I'm a twin. I had a brother. His name was Pietro. <laughs>
2: He was killed by Ultron, wasn't he? What did you say? She's.
3: What did you say? Just now?
0: I said, Wanda, you're such a strong lady. Should I say it one more time
3: for good measure? <laughs> no. What did you say about Pietro?
2: Pietro? Ah. Uh.
3: Hey, I'll take a shift rocking the babies. No, I think you should leave. Oh, Wanda, don't be like that. Who are you? I don't know. Who are you? Wanda, I'm just your neighbor. And how did you know about old You're definitely not my friend. You are a stranger and an outsider. And right now you are trespassing here. And I want you to leave.
1: Okay, so we have the scene where Monica kind of wakes up and remembers hey, Pietro was killed by Ultron in Avengers Age of Ultron. <laughs> right. And, um, and this is like, she re- somehow remembered the fact that she was a twin and that she had a twin brother named Pietro, but she wasn't registering that he was dead until Monica says, hey, didn't Ultron kill him? And when this happens, she's like, who are you? You don't belong here. You're not part of this little world I've created. And so you're a trespasser and I need you to leave. And then she does her little magic thing and zaps her out of the bubble.
0: (laughs) And this is, yeah, this isn't the first time that she's been confronted with the outside world leaking into her perfect little, uh, imagination. You know, you have the, the whole helicopter in the second episode, Mm. the drone, right. That's been flown in. And what does she do with it? she, Changes the reality of it to suit what she wants, right? And mm-hmm. then the beekeeper, which is an actually actually a guy that's coming in from the outside, trying to find out what's going on, and she totally rewinds that entire. She just simply says no, right? And it <laughs> yeah. changes back to them being inside whenever uh, whenever Vision kind of wakes up a little bit in the second episode, and he starts talking about. There's something wrong here. We're not normal. She changes him back, right? And then Monica Rambo seems like the last straw. She gets so angry and so upset when she's confronted by this that she just shoves her out of her reality. Mm. which is a perfect picture of of people who are confronted with with yeah. reality of 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 pain or death or their sin. And nine times out of 10, the first, th- the first thing they really want to do is kick that person out, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or remove themselves from the, the situation through anger.
1: Well, and in our, in our story of, of Judah falling um, yes. and, and lamentations, we start to see a little anger coming out in the poems um, as well. And like um, in chapter 2, um, of Lamentations, verse eight. It says, the Lord determined to lay in ruins the wall of the daughter of Zion. He stretched out the measure line. He did not restrain his hand from destroying. He caused rampart and walls to lament, and they languished together. And her gates have sunk into the ground. He has ruined and broken her bars. Her king and princes are among the nations. The law is no more, and her prophets find no vision from the Lord. Mm interesting vision thing happening there. (laughs) So, um, but if we, if we drop down into like verse 20, he's just ranting kind of in here against God, really. Um, In verse 20, he says, look, O Lord, and see with whom you have dealt thus. Should women eat the fruit of their womb, the children of their tender care? Should priests and prophets be killed in the sanctuary of the Lord? In the dust of the streets lie the young and the old. My young women and my young men have fallen by the sword. You have killed them in the day of your anger. Slaughter without pity. You summoned as if to a festival day. My terrors on every side. And on the day of the anger of the Lord, no one escaped or survived. Those whom I held and raised my enemy destroyed so you can definitely hear the angst (laughs) right and is this not what we do when we when we are finally confronted with reality of a loss or whatever a lot of times where does our wrath and anger turn to
0: anger and bitterness man where does it turn to go ahead
1: turns to God, right? I mean, how many times do we... Why, God? Why? What are you doing? Why did you do this to me? Uh, A large chunk of the book of Job is Job asking that same question. You know, I haven't done anything to deserve this. Why? If I could just have an audience with the Lord, I could figure it out.
0: (laughs) How dare you cause this calamity to befall me? (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's it's crazy. It's actually the story of so many people in, in Scripture, um, Job is probably the perfect picture of that. But you see so many others that just cry out and lament to God because of destruction. It's incredible.
1: Well, and then, of, of course, we've got New Testament uh, discussions about anger and how we should deal with it. And I love how it tells us in Ephesians 4 to be angry and sin not. Right. It, it, so what what is that kind of telling us? It's telling us it's okay to have that anger. Like right. it is... it's an expression of how I made you like this it is a valid emotion but don't let that anger take you to some place it shouldn't take you like don't let it take you to a place where you have turned against God that you've done something against God Um, or against you know a fellow man uh, as well something that would be considered sure uh, sinful So the next step that that Wanda goes through. (laughs) Anger uh, turns to bargaining. Bargaining. That's right. So uh, now Wanda's bargaining is not always all that clear. Um, It's
0: pretty threatening to
1: me. Yeah, I want to bring out at least her threatening bargain (laughs) that she makes. So when she finally realizes, hey, people are intruding into my little world I've created, She finally has to decide in herself, I've got to go out there and deal with this, right? And so she steps outside of the hex, which is what they're calling the the dome or the bubble that she's created around this little town. And so uh, this next clip is her uh, confronting the soldiers and everyone who's outside of the sitcom world uh, that are monitoring it from the outside. And they send in a drone and it actually does a little damage right. and sh- and she brings it back out to them and throws it at their feet here. The missile was just a precaution. You can hardly blame us, Wanda. Oh,
3: I think I can. This will be your only warning. Stay out of my home. You don't bother me. I won't bother
1: you. I wish it could be that simple You've taken an entire town hostage
3: I'm not the one with the guns, Director But you are the one in control You're still here
1: Wanda I didn't know the drones were armed But you know that, don't you?
2: A town full of civilians and you, a telepath, brought a sword agent into your home. You trusted me to help deliver your babies. On some
0: level, Wanda, you know I am an ally. I wanna help you.
3: How? What could you possibly have to offer me? What do you want? I have what I want. And no one will ever take it from me again.
1: So I, I love in the bargaining uh, statements that you hear. What do you want, Wanda? And her <laughs> response is, "I have what I want. Right. I want, and you're not taking it from me." So it's not. It, there's still the anger happening here, sure. um,
0: and the denial, because she yes. really doesn't have what she truly wants. You know, That's true. she she wants everything to be back. You know, with Vision, the way but this it's is to be. And this is, yeah, this isn't real, but she, in her mind, she still thinks she has what she wants. And so she to starts me, to arguing.
1: this yeah. is part of the brilliance that they chose to put it into cheesy sitcom world because right. from us, our standpoint, we look at it and go, that's not reality. Right. We wouldn't want to live in that world, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. If they had made this a nice little tropical paradise that she had created with her envision, well, then we would be sympathizing with her, <laughs> right. and going and going, wait, this could be good, you know. Yeah. But but at least it separates us from her thought a little bit, so we can see that Wanda's not right. Like there's something, like she's not doing the right thing, um, in all of this. Uh, here's another thing I really noticed about this scene that just blows me away that they did this. So let's go back to Age of Ultron, the movie that introduced Wanda Maximoff. Right. Oh, not Maximoff. Uh, is it Ma- No, that's uh, the uh, Black Star- Widow. Scarlet.
0: Uh, uh, yeah. One, what's uh, what's,
1: what's Romanoff? I don't. <laughs>
0: I don't know. It's, oh, it's some- Maximoff. Romanovs is is Black Black Widow. Widow. Okay, sorry,
1: I'm getting them confused because they're both kind of. They're they're coming from the same area of the world. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, so when Age of Ultron introduces the twins, they have a heavy like Ukrainian or Georgian accent. Like it's really heavy accents. Right. Somehow, Wanda begins to lose that accent as the movies move along. Yeah. And in the whole first few episodes, in fact, up until this scene, her, she has no Ukrainian accent. Right. Until this scene. And I don't know if you noticed, but it was strong. Like she was speaking in her old accent here. Wow. And so again, it was almost like, almost like she's breaking out of pretend land. Right. A little bit in, in it so um
0: she's seeing seeing the reality she knows it now but she's choosing to Mm. choosing to ignore it and she's bargaining with reality with the people in reality to keep her illusion alive which is a big deal you know one of the one of the things that i loved uh going back to the the scene with monica and monica rambo being kicked out Right after that, do you remember Vision came back inside the house? Mm,
1: yes, yes. And
0: when she turned and looked at him, he was the dead version of himself. Every yeah. time she's confronted with reality, she sees everything for what it is, and she looks and she sees Vision as as dead man walking Vision. And it's yes. one of the creepiest scenes, by the way. Well, it, it gave it me a start the first time I saw it. But I, that's just another brilliance of this entire thing is – Confronting with reality leads, yeah, definitely leads you to bargaining, and she's trying to fight, fight this outside world.
1: And there is definitely a different type of bargaining that's happening too. It's almost like she's bargaining with her own powers. Yeah, she does this thing with, because right after this, what happens? Pietro comes back. Right. Like, strangely, her brother shows up in the sitcom world. And uh, they did a marvelous thing, that, no pun intended, <laughs> <laughs> in, in that they cast not the actor who played Pietro in Age of Ultron, but the actor who played the same character in the X-Men movies, right. Qu- Quicksilver, um, which was weird and offsetting, and I think it was just perfectly threw, threw the
0: audience off completely. And they were thinking, man, is he going to come back as Quicksilver from now on? Like, is he going to f- survive this reality and become the next mm-hmm. Quicksilver? They bring, because he was definitely a fan favorite in the Marvel, uh, in the X-Men franchise.
1: Oh, for sure. It was a great character in, yeah. this, in, the, in those movies. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, what I think is happening in the, the choice to do this is her brother's back, but he's not really Right. Right. Like he's not the same guy she exactly remembers. Like yeah. he's not a perfect replica. there's there's something else going on here. And so it's almost like she's bargaining with her own powers. so okay, I can I'll accept a little bit of my pain. yeah, but give me at least a version of my brother back right. And of course he kind of turns out to be uh, the wacky brother in the sitcoms he's he he fits that trope of the The weird in
0: the middle perfectly (laughs) like that whole older uncle well he's i guess he's uncle pete to the the kids but yeah that was amazing
1: yeah there's always that trope of that crazy friend who comes over and is always getting everybody in trouble and and he falls into that that trope in the show so but here's one thing that's very interesting he also becomes a point of constant reminder to her right like he physically calls her out on what she's really doing yep and um she doesn't really know how to deal with it and in fact i think she comes to the she comes to the acceptance early on about him um so I, there's another clip here i've got in the whole bargaining thing but it's her talking to the new Pietro. Right. And he is... Um, at the
0: Halloween party, right? At the Halloween
1: party. And he's he's basically saying, you know, how in the world did you pull this off? You're doing All a right. cool job, you know, or whatever.
0: I think
2: it's
3: wrong.
1: Are you kidding? I'm impressed.
2: Seriously. It's a pretty big leap from giving people nightmares and shooting red wiggly woos out of your hands. How'd you even do all this?
0: Hey, I'm not some stranger. And I'm not your husband. You can talk to me.
3: I don't know how I did it. I... I only remember feeling completely alone. Mm -hmm. Empty, just Mm -hmm. endless nothingness. Are you okay?
1: So at the end of that clip, there's this orchestral stab. And obviously mm-hmm. you as listeners can't see <laughs> what what caught her off guard. But she had her head turned as she was talking to him. And when she turns to look at him, he's zombie. Like he's he's he looks dead and he has bullet holes all over his chest. Right. Which is reminiscent of what happened to her brother in right. the Age of Ultron. So she's come to the, she's constantly being forced to look at reality here. And whenever she finds out that vision is now the, the make believe vision that she's created is now beginning to question this reality. And he's actually trying to escape it. He is trying to see what happens when he steps beyond the, the boundary. And when she finds out that that's going on, um, she gets freaked out. And Pietro says, um, Hey, what's the big deal? It's not like your dead husband can die again. <laughs> yeah. And when he said that, she turns and just blasts him in the chest. That's right. something that she would never do to her real brother. Right. Like that's completely out of character for the relationship that they had. Um and it's kind of out of character for him to have said that too, but still sure. um she just wallops him and basically he's gone after this. Like she expands her little hex to save vision. So it's almost like she traded. Well, yeah, you were my brother, but I'll trade you if I can just keep vision.
0: Right. And another, another uh, way she's bargaining too, is with the actual people in the town. So Mm -hmm. there's this whole, there's this whole thing of whenever they're brought out of their, uh, mind control cause they're all being mind controlled by, by Wanda at the same time, which mm-hmm. is pretty amazing that she has that power. Right. And so, but it's like apparently excruciating to them. Yes. And every time they come out of it and she sends them back in before she sends them back in, she's basically saying, I, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't want to hurt you. But this is what's gonna happen. You're gonna go back into this this world of you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're gonna become the person I've created you to be. And she does the same thing with Vision. She's bargaining with him. She's she's begging him to keep playing the part, to keep the role play going, so that she doesn't have to be confronted with Without reality. Him. Yeah, exactly. And so yeah, there's a whole bunch of bargaining going on with with Wanda. Um, And definitely obvious So how does this tie in with Lamentations?
1: Well, uh, we have to back up a little bit It didn't exactly go in uh, Kubler-Ross's order
0: Sorry
1: (laughs) It it backed up Uh, So chapter 1 If we go back to chapter 1 Is where there's kind of a bargaining thing That happens at the end of chapter 1 And correct me if I'm wrong This is Jeremiah who wrote Lamentations, right?
0: It is. It's. It's right after. Yeah. So, he he gets basically forced down to uh, Egypt <laughs> with the king, dragged down there, and mm-hmm. then, um. Yeah, Judas destroyed, and he. Uh, and this is this is the result. Yeah.
1: So at the end of of chapter one, he says there in verse twenty, he says, "Look, O Lord, for I am in distress; my stomach churns." My heart is wrong within me because I have been very, I have been very rebellious. In the street, the sword bereaves in the house. It is like death. They heard my groaning, yet there is no one to comfort me. All my enemies have heard of my trouble. They are glad that you have done it and you have brought the day you announced. Now let them be as I am. Let all their evil doing come before you and deal with them as you have dealt with me because of all my transgressions. For my groans are many and my heart is faint. So misery loves company, right? Yep. And, so, and so what is Jeremiah saying here? He's saying, okay, I'll take this, this, this punishment. I, I'll accept it. But please, in order to accept this, I really need you to dish out a little of this to my enemies too. And I, I need to see justice. Right. And so in a way there is the same mentality happening of bargaining to try and make, make him feel better to, to try and bring some relief or at least some level of justice or equality or fairness right. into, into his mind into his heart.
0: And I don't want to jump the gun on you, and I imagine you have this in acceptance. But it almost seems like the lamenter is is bargaining in the end, to When when he basically he he's he says, um, basically you've judged. Um, what does it say? Let us test and examine our ways and return to the Lord. Let us lift up our hearts and hands to God in heaven. We have transgressed and rebel, and you have not forgiven. Mm. So, this bargaining, I guess, is part of acceptance, but it's almost like, what if, you know, what if we admit that we did wrong? <laughs> will you,
1: yeah, will you chill will out, you out a little bit?
0: Relent? Yeah,
1: <laughs> well, and think about it too, like in our lives, how many times as Christians do we catch ourselves when we're up against the wall, how many times do we get to a point where like, okay, God, look, if you'll just pull me through this, man, I I won't ever, (laughs) I I won't ever do this This, again. Like I promise you, if you will just help me at this one time, like just help me this one time, I'll stop. I'll be a better person. I'll give money to the poor. I'll, you know, I mean, we start pulling out all the, at that point we lose sense of grace. We don't even really understand what, Right. (laughs) it's almost like, you know, tit for tat, you know, quid pro quo. Let me give you something so that you can give me a little bit of satisfaction or that you can resolve some of my problems. Right. So, um, as we move along in the story, um, we get to, we're now up to uh, sitcoms. We we kind of passed through uh, the 80s. The, the, those were the, the Halloween special and right. um, the one before that, uh, the very special episode, which was an 80s trope. It was always that <laughs> family ties episode oh, that sure. dealt with death or yeah. dealt with, you know, whatever, someone, well, drug addiction.
0: Webster. Uh, <laughs> My one of my favorites is Webster with the uh, the guy in the bicycle shop. He, did you ever watch that? Episode? I don't Those guess so. Yeah, episodes? yeah. I won't talk about it. You need to go watch it. <laughs> 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 or or the very special episodes of Punky Brewster.
1: Yeah, there's always this like serious episode in these sitcoms right? that was like, okay, now we're going to get serious and we're going to talk.
0: Ties one of the, one of my favorites. No, is it which one had? Uh, Michael J. Fox in it that's family
1: ties, yeah
0: family ties the one where uh they go out they go to this party and cocaine like cocaine's at the party, mm. and the whole episode is about his friends getting high on cocaine and him saying no, yeah this is the whole just say no thing and it's it's such a classic episode <laughs> anyway, sorry yeah. so very special episode that's so
1: yeah, so is. that was all uh, in the whole bargaining um, right. kind of place um. But then we jump ahead into the sitcoms of the 2000s. Right.
3: So
1: uh uh so now we're up we're we're doing the the mockumentary style there's an episode called breaking the fourth wall which Right. That's a that's a phrase used in the industry to talk about whenever a character looks straight into the camera. Right. And and
0: Talks Treats the them. camera
1: like it's a person. Right. So you get all these mockumentaries like uh, uh, Modern Family or um, The Office, right. where the camera is like handheld. And, you know, there's even interview scenes where, yeah. you know, the character sits in front of the camera like they're having a conversation. Uh, Parks and Rec. Parks and Rec right. did this as well. Well, anyway, there, this episode of One Division uh, follows that trope. And this is when Wanda steps into her next stage of the grieving process, which is depression. Right. In so this episode Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go no, ahead. You
0: go. <laughs> she's in she's in bed like half the time. <laughs> yes.
1: Yes. Right. The, the kids are like, Mommy, mommy, I need this, I need that. And she's like, Mommy is resting her eyes. Right. But one I'm of the things that's happening right in this episode is things start blipping. Right, Like, all up until this point, she's had complete control. The 50s were all black and white, and all, everything was pristine, right? Mm-hmm. Now we're up into a time frame where she can't control what the furniture looks like. It right. flashes back, or she gets milk out of the refrigerator and sets it on the counter, and it's a modern, um, like, almond milk or something right. like that. When she puts it on the counter, it turns into an old-fashioned milk, milk carton, right. you know? and And she's like... Like I lost control there for a minute and we we blipped backwards. So a lot of that is happening and she's doing a lot of talking to the camera. Yeah. So in this clip that I've got here, here um, is two things. First off, it is one of her montages uh, Montags where she's talking straight to the camera. And, uh, and the guy filming says something. <laughs> She's like, wait a minute. This is not the way it works. You're not supposed to say right. anything. So, so first off, you got that. And then, I and mean, we haven't mentioned this, but there's commercials yeah. that have been happening all throughout the show. The commercials are important. The commercials, <laughs> dude, they are totally tell you what the episodes are about. Right. Like every single one of them. I want to flash back just for a second, because I didn't mention the first commercial we see is a toaster. Right. And, um, it's about making the perfect piece of toast. <laughs> and when the toaster, when the toast pops, uh, and the words come across the screen, it says, so you can, um, uh, make it more perfect than what it really is or something right. to that nature. So it's like, uh, or better than you remember it or whatever so it was about being in denial right right well I, I, I got in this clip not only her little um, um, montage of her like speaking to the, or soliloquy talking to the camera but then we get the commercial because this commercial is very important and it actually gives us a, a, an idea as to what the episode is about
0: sure
3: I don't understand what's happening. Why it's. why it's all falling apart and why. I can't fix it.
2: Do you think maybe this is what you deserve?
3: What? You're not supposed to talk. Feeling depressed like the world goes on without you? Do you just want to be left alone? Ask your doctor about Nexus, a unique antidepressant that works to anchor you back to your reality or the reality of your choice. Side effects include feeling your feelings, confronting your truth, seizing your destiny and possibly more depression. You should not take Nexus unless your doctor has cleared you to move on with your life. Nexus. Because the world doesn't revolve around you. Or does it?
1: <laughs> so, I love that. It's the, the antidepressant commercial for yeah. a pill called Nexus. Right. <laughs> and the, because the world doesn't revolve around you. Or does it? <laughs> so that's, a, that's so what Wanda's doing, right? Oh, yeah. The world is revolving around her. Right. And, uh... Everybody else is not of a concern, right? And now she's in this state of depression, and um, there's also another thing here I want to bring up that this is just blows my mind. <laughs> so we've ne- we've never talked about the movie Blade Runner on the sh- on the show. We need to do it sometime though, because I l- it's deep. If I can but,
0: stay awake during it, we'll, yes, we'll do yes,
1: it. I'll make you stay awake. <laughs> so there is more than one. Um, there is more than one reference in the series to Blade Runner. Oh really? Straight up and this is one of them. Nexus. So the Nexus is the models of the replicants, the androids in the in the movie and the whole po- point of that movie, it's an existential movie about being more human than humans really are and identity which Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes and 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 I know we're sidebarring because there's an epilogue that you're going to jump on this too right. about uh identity and um and so this is this ties into that because vision is the center point of yes. that thought um but anyway back to the whole depression thing so she's lost control she's laying in bed and she's totally depressed and um and so if we look at Obviously, we could do basically all of Lamentations. <laughs> the book right. is called Lamentations. <laughs> the whole thing is a depressing right. uh, uh, statement, but uh, some specifics. Let's look at uh, Lamentations 3.
0: I mean, the beginning of Chapter 3 is the most... It's just so sad.
1: Oh, yeah. In <laughs> fact, I, I want to just read most of Chapter 3, I think. Sure. <laughs> so... Uh, It says, I am the man who has seen affliction under the rod of his wrath. He has driven me and brought me into darkness without any light. Surely against me, he turns his hand again and again the whole day long. He's made my flesh and my skin waste away. He's broken my bones. He's besieged and enveloped me with bitterness and tribulation. He's made me dwell in darkness like the dead of long ago. He has walled me about so that I cannot escape. He has made my chains heavy. Though I call and cry for help, he shuts out my prayer. He's blocked my ways with blocks of stone, and he has made my paths crooked. He is a bear lying in wait for me, a lion in hiding. He turned aside my steps and tore me to pieces, and he has made me desolate. He bit his his bow and set me as a target for his arrow. He drove into my kidneys the arrows of his quiver, and I have become a laughingstock of all people, the object of their taunts all day long. He has filled me with bitterness. He has sated me with wormwood. He has made my teeth grind on gravel and made me cower in ashes. My soul is bereft of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. So I say, my endurance has perished, and so has my hope from the Lord. Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. But this I can call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases, and His mercy never comes to an end. So it's like all of of what he yeah. <laughs> he is just wailed about, but he's like I'm still putting my trust in this. I still because God is God. Oh, oh. Sure. And so I, I've got hope. But, and then, of course, we can't really talk about uh, this without also talking about uh, the um, Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes. One of the Beatitudes is, blessed is he that mourns. Like, it is a it be blessing because we will be comforted. That's and that's to right. be comforted of the Lord is a great blessing. Amen. So, uh, anyway, any more on Depression. Kind of depressing.
0: It's very depressing. <laughs> Let's get to acceptance, man.
1: Yes. Okay. So this is where the whole series kind of comes to a head. Um, Wanda, you know, we've left out a lot of storylines that are happening, dealing right. with uh, um, Agnes and right. et cetera. But you know, none of that's really important to our point. <laughs> and and so um, there comes a point where she realizes the damage that she's done. Well,
0: hold on. I want to bring up Agnes here too, because I think Agnes plays a huge part in her acceptance.
1: Oh, okay. Go ahead.
0: So what does Agnes do? Whenever Agnes finally reveals it was Agnes the whole time, right? Yeah. You have that whole montage of Agnes doing all this stuff throughout the thing that's manipulating her. But then Agnes controls, uh, wanda and makes her confront her demons
1: oh that's right
0: walking back the entire time of her entire past starting when she was a little kid going through the struggles that unlocked her powers and the Mm -hmm. you know when they were they were experimenting on her going through the death of her brother going through the death of vision then going into the facility and seeing vision completely dissected
1: oh yes yes
0: Agnes makes her confront that reality. And it's only when 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 Wanda truly is out of her manipulated reality and has no control and has to confront those demons that she accepts it.
1: Yes. That's a good which, point. Which th- that, is a big thing. Th- and that whole episode is called Previously On. Right. <laughs> And so it's basically taking her uh, in a trip through her past, right? Um, but yeah, g- uh, great point. She finally comes to this 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 place where she accepts the reality of things. Yeah, she's lost her brother and she's lost vision, and now in order to save all the people in the town, she has to give him up again. Yeah, she has to give up the vision that ba- she basically recreated. Right. Um, and so I've, the, the clip that I got is basically uh, their goodbye as she's collapsing this world. She knows that oh. as it collapses, as it disappears, Vision will disappear with it. Right. And so um, they get to say their goodbye as they're watching the wall of the dome come closer and closer to them. Yeah. Um, so here's, here's the scene.
2: Wonder. I know we can't stay like this. But before I go, I feel I must know. What am I?
3: You, Vision, are the piece of the mind stone that lives in me. You are a body of wires and blood and bone that I created. You are my sadness and my hope, but mostly you're my love.
2: voice with no body, a body but not human, and now a memory made real, who knows what I might be next.
1: So much going on in that little scene. I know that most of it, without watching it, you can't really kind of get the power of it. Um, But there's a couple
0: sad scene.
1: It's so much going on in it. Like first off, this whole identity crisis thing. um, What am I like? You know, we if we if we watched all these movies, we know that he originated as Jarvis, the voice. It's an AI, yeah. The AI that uh, Tony Stark used in the Iron Man suit. Right. So it started out, he was like a voice without a body, and then I became a body that wasn't human, and now I am a memory made flesh. Who knows what I'll be next? And uh, I love this whole hope at the end when he says, we've said goodbye before, and she says, and it stands to reason she says that we will say hello again, that we will see each other again, which is the hope we have as Christians, like as we lose our loved ones, right. That's the same hope we have. Yeah. and um and the, the, you know, I, I wanted to geek out a little bit too, because there's another blade runner <laughs> reference in this scene. So as the the wall of the of the dome is moving through the town, it crosses the uh, the movie theater, and on the marquee of the movie theater, it says something. It says Tannhauser Gate, uh, something another. Tannhauser Gate is a reference to the speech that um, that the the android at the end of uh, Blade Runner. He gives this speech that basically says, "I've seen things that." you humans haven't seen and I just wish you could see what I've seen and all those memories will be lost like tears in the rain.
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and so it ties so well because he's an AI. Right. He he is an android of sorts. And uh and so there's this really good um uh analogy between what happened in the movie Blade Runner and what was happening here. Sure. So um so anyway, I just think that the, the bottom line here is she says, you are my sorrow. You're my grief. But then she turns it around and says, but you're also my hope and you're my love. Mm. And so to me, that's the basis of acceptance. All right. When you can turn one from uh, to a point of sorrow to a point of hope and a point of of happiness and love, right? Um, so, and it goes back to vision statement earlier in the show, which is what is grief if not love persevering, right? Um, so, our lamentations reading, <laughs> yes, about acceptance, is in the uh, of course the last chapter, which is chapter five. Uh, let's see, verse. I want to look at verse uh, sixteen. And it says here, um, And if any survivors escape, they will be on the mountains like doves in the valley, all of them moaning, each one of them over his iniquity. All hands are feeble and all knees turn to water. Oh, I'm sorry. I am in the wrong book completely. (laughs) But that would fit. I was thinking, wow, I don't remember that, but that's working. (laughs) That was Ezekiel. (laughs) No, no, no. We need to be in Lamentations. Lamentations verse
0: 5,
1: or 16. Verse 16. Yeah. The crown has fallen from our head. Woe to us, for we have sinned. For this our heart has become sick. For these things our eyes have grown dim. For Mount Zion, which lies desolate, jackals prowl over it. But you, O Lord, reign forever. Your throne endures To all generations, why do you forget us forever? Why do you forsake us for so many days? Restore us to yourself, O Lord, that we may be restored. Renew our days of old, unless you've utterly rejected us and you remain exceedingly angry with us. (laughs) So it is almost a downer (laughs) at the end, but there's, there's acceptance in how he's saying this.
0: There's hope in it.
1: Yes, and there and there's this, this concept that we are this way because of our sins, because of our, in, our iniquities. He says there in verse 16, the crown has fallen from our head. Woe to us, for we have sinned. So uh, there's acceptance of the judgment of what's happened. Yeah, it's not a great thing. We'll be crying over this for a long time. There's right. going to be sorrow for it, but we know why it happened and now we're going to put our trust in you to restore us
0: yeah so it ends with a with a hope in the midst of sorrow which is exactly how grief usually ends yeah you know it's such a sad thing but it's beautiful picture so going back to the identity thing yes um i for me the most poignant part of this entire series I mean there's the whole I it's it's obvious that the, the the writer structured this after the after the the um stages of grief. Mhm. But they also added in so much about identity especially with the character of Vision and especially the the character where Vision <coughs> in the season finale where he meets up with White Vision which is a physical reconstruction of the old visions body parts that they've infused with the new running AI and mm-hmm. they've given it a single command destroy vision. So he goes into the the hex planning on killing old vision yeah right? they're fighting. they end up in the library
1: <laughs> appropriate
0: right. Surrounding each other, and Old Vision simply asks him, Have you ever heard of the identity meta- <laughs> metaphysics uh, conundrum called the Ship of, Thes- uh, of Theseus? So play that clip real quick.
2: Okay. You are familiar with the thought experiment, The Ship of Theseus, in the field of identity metaphysics? Naturally. The Ship of Theseus is an artifact in the museum. Over time it's planks of wood rot and are replaced with new planks. When no original plank remains, is it still the ship of Theseus? Secondly, if those removed planks are restored and reassembled free of the rot, is that the ship of Theseus? Neither is the true ship. Both are the true ship. Well, then we are agreed. I do not have the mind stone, and I do not have one single ounce of original material. Perhaps the rot is the memories, the wear and tear of the voyages, the wood touched by Theseus himself. I have not retained memories, but you do have the data. It is merely being kept.
1: So yeah, it's like this <clears throat> existential question, you know. It's if, a, if they're just yeah. copies of, of one another, then right. who's the real one?
0: Right. Well, what he brings up is is the basis of all the uh, all philosophy, and theology has an answer for this question. But the base of all philosophy is simply the question why. Mm-hmm. When, you, when you get down to the root of it, you go, "Why does this exist? Or why do I exist?" And on top of that, what is my purpose? So this, this, uh, this, what do you call a paradox is an attempt to answer this question of identity or attempt to shed light on this question of identity. So again, you have, to reiterate the paradox, you have this ship, right? This is old famous ship that Thessius sailed, right? And when they got back to the port, they wanted to commemorate the ship so they preserved it. But, It had so much wear and tear that they started pulling planks and putting down new planks. And before you know it, they pulled up all the old planks and they put down all the new planks. Is it the same ship anymore? Is it identified as the ship of Theseus? right? Well, to add to that, they take the old planks, they scrub off all the junk on them, they clean them up, and they refurbish them, and they put the ship back together with the old flanks which one is the real ship of athesias mm-hmm. and i i love the answer that that uh that white vision gives neither mm-hmm. A- and both right yeah. So what's he getting at the, the whole thing he's getting at is what are we made of what what makes us us Where do we get our identity and what, you know, what defines the ship of Theseus or what defines David or what defines Jeremiah? So there's, I mean, this is the root question of philosophy. So if you look at, look through the history and see how different philosophers have answered this, uh, starting with Aristotle, for example, Aristotle, uh, said it's basically a question of what something is made of versus what it is mm. okay so what's interesting is we have in philosophy and in in science we've swung to ultra naturalistic answers for everything right. we can find the answer in nature and in science right so today the way philosophers will answer this is well it's it's what it's made of. it it all boils down to what it's made of. And and we give cognitive recognition to what something's made of. For example, well, a ship is a ship simply because it's a ship that's in our (laughs) cognitive mind, but we can boil it down. Well, it's actually wood. Okay. Well, it's actually the stuff that makes up wood. Okay. Well, it's actually made of the stuff that made of the stuff that's made up of wood. So you boil it down to atoms and then you go deeper. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and, and that's how they answer it. What a sad way to answer the question of identity by saying it's just a mind construct. To it's wrap just a around.
1: collection of material. naturalism.
0: Yeah. And that's what they'll say now. <clears throat> but Aristotle argued that it's not so much what it is, the collection of material, but what it does. Okay. Mm. So then he broke it down into four different categories. So what a thing, what makes a thing a thing, which is the question here, is number one, what it's made of, that's the natural thing. Number two, what it should be, not what it is, but what it should be, or right. it's, it's uh, actualized or you know ultimate version of itself, what it should be. Number three, what makes a thing what it is, In other words, how it was created. Right?
2: Yeah.
0: Number four, the purpose of the thing. And he calls number four, the key, the final cause is what he says. So a knife is a knife because it cuts. Mm -hmm. Right? Yes. So
1: without something to cut it's a useless product.
0: Right. But that's not it entirely. Right? When you think about it, a knife isn't just a knife because it cuts. Its purpose is made up in its designer. Its designer created it to be the thing that it is. Mm -hmm. And its designer gave it the name and the function, which is a big deal in this whole argument. Right? So if you're gonna if you're gonna look at things and you're gonna explain it just naturalistically, then you get rid of the need for a designer. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to look at a thing and you see that it has a purpose, if it has a purpose, then what does it have to have? Somebody that created it right. for that purpose.
1: And these these are things that I think that the not just the creators of this show, but of the character uh, right. vision had in mind um, to try and, postulate and right. why they used the Blade Runner references because this is the whole thing that the Blade Runner movie is about is existentialism what makes yes. a human human is, right. is, it, is it just the material or is it soul and what is soul where does that right. come from
0: so here you go this is the next philosopher I want to talk about Descartes mm-hmm. right? Descartes comes along and he's like that's full. That's, that's nonsense it's, mo- it's mind body dualism So really, what makes a thing a thing is defined by its soul or its ability to think, Mm -hmm. or it's, it's, it's more important, the thinking is more important than the body. Well, that works for everything that's, that can ask the question why, but that doesn't work for inanimate objects that don't have minds that think. Right, we still give them names. (laughs) So there's got to be some give and take here, right? Right. So, for example, and this is where it's brilliant because (laughs) you have one vision who is made up of nothing but memories and thoughts of Wanda, right? Put Mm -hmm. back together in this new corporal body. Yeah. And then you have the other vision the white vision. That's actually the real physical vision that they brought back. They took the old components of vision. They hooked they it back together, hooked it back together and without the mind it, stone, because without just the strong. mind stone, that's right. And created, ah, oh, and the mind stone's a key here So they mm-hmm. created it with, you know, so these two things are going at each other, this, this corporal vision, and he's like, well, I'm not the real vision. Because I'm not the physical, I didn't have, the. you know, I, I'm not made up of the physical I don't physical have the mind vision.
1: stone. Yeah.
0: Right. Or, or, and then you have the, the one, the physical vision, who says, well, I'm made up of physical, but I don't have the mind stone, so I'm not the real vision either. So neither of them are the real vision, right? But then... The original vision answers with something really interesting. He said, perhaps it's neither of those things. Perhaps it's the junk that was scraped off of the planks. Yeah. Right. That makes a thing what it is. And that's the third guy, John Locke, who basically says that everything we've experienced in life, all of our pain and suffering, they've created what we are. So, I think it's I think it's a really cool question. This mm-hmm. whole question of identity. And I actually think that it's the central question of theology too. When you think about it, it's who is God? And
1: where do we find th- our identity?
0: And where do we find our identity, right? Mm-hmm. And I think the answer is in all of these things. Yeah. Number number 1, we find our identity in our purpose. What God created us for.
1: S- well,
0: we have to have some kind of a purpose outside of ourselves that mm-hmm. dictates who we are.
1: It is defi- definitely tied to creation. Right. And, and so I just thought about something as you were saying that. Go ahead. So as Vision was getting ready, when he was saying goodbye in that last clip, remember whenever he asked her, what am I? And what was her response? You are the part of the Mind Stone that's inside of me. Yeah. Now, remember, he was originally created with the Mind Stone, but she got the bulk of her powers from the Mind, from stone, the mind stone that was inside the scepter at the time. So,
0: and notice, yeah. So what, the what, thing
1: what, that created her created him. Yeah. So it's in the creation of it's it's the thing that did the creation yes that actually makes him who he is.
0: Right. And then add on top of that the creator endowed us with these physical forms, each of us unique in our own individual ways. We are physical and the Bible speaks very much to that. We're spiritual and physical <clears> and the the we see this played out and the fact is you know we we look in scripture we see that we will have eternal bodies mm-hmm. that will be not unlike our own right now but still just
1: different.
0: <laughs> uncorrupted mm-hmm. but still different right mm-hmm. and not only that we are also the sum of our life experiences and god uses all of these life experiences to direct who we become as individuals
1: yeah that's deep that's good
0: so It's all of these things working together. It's physical, it's spiritual, and it's experiential. And God is the orchestrator of all of it. Which, by the way, what happens at the very end of this scene is Vision touches White Vision's stone Mm -hmm. and gives him that mind stone memory. Transfers it, yeah. Yeah, he transfers it. So is Wanda going to get Vision back? (laughs) <laughs> I think absolutely. It's going to be white vision who who's carrying now a piece of the, of the mind stones power that's been given to him by
1: wow. white vision. So cool. so
0: it's a reincarnation of vision. Yeah. I, I, I Just the study and identity is such an important thing to me and such a beautiful thing when you look at it. I mean, these are the deep questions that people have to ask and,
1: it's fascinating to me that, that that there is so much in these e- 9 episodes. Like they're covering so much territory. Yeah, it's, it's insane, man. It's it's hard for us to even cover it all. Right. But, but anyway, man, I <laughs> I loved WandaVision. I just thought it was I thought it was an amazing
0: absolutely incredible story and yeah. uh, I can't wait to see this is the the lead-up to, I think, uh, the new Doctor Strange movie. So, man, Marvel keep pumping it out, dude. <laughs> it's been great.
1: All right, you ready to jump on out of here?
0: Hey, uh, let's do it.
1: Okay. Teal Pop is part of the Great Commission Transmission Network, using new media and social networking to go into all the world and proclaim the good news to everyone.
0: Check out our other sister theology podcast, the Theonauts. Find it on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or your favorite podcast catcher, and be sure to uh, rate us because that helps us reach a larger audience.
1: There are several ways you can contact us and leave us feedback. Send us email to info at Podcast or call us on our voicemail line at 972-885-7270.
0: Find us on Instagram at Theonautical.
1: Like us on Facebook
0: or fa- at facebook.com slash Theonauts.
1: And if you want more of us or more Theonauts, drop us a buck or two at patreon.com slash Theonauts. Your patronage helps in our expenses like hosting fees and equipment costs.
0: And don't forget to tune in again and explore the vast reaches of God's Word, brother.
1: All right. Thanks for being here, brother.
0: Thank you, David.
1: This has been Pop. Call us on our voicemail line at 972-885-7270. We'd love to hear from you.
0: You are tuned in to the GCT Network. This is your Great Commission. This is your Great Commission transmission. At GCTNetwork.com. Great Commission
3: transmission
1: transmission la <imitation>